Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast, taking the pulse of the Red Wings rebuild under Steve Eiserman in year three. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Coming up, we'll hear from former Detroit News reporter John Bacon. He's written the top-selling book in Michigan about his high school hockey team in Ann Arbor, going from the worst in the nation to among the best in Ann Arbor, Huron's history. And he's highlighted some of the leadership lessons he learned along the way. But first, Ted, in our paper and online at DetroitNews.com, everyone loves Raymond. Lucas Raymond was on the cover of the sports section the other day. Your Raymond story is one of the most popular stories on our website right now. Seven points in his first six games, leading all 71 rookies in the NHL in scoring. Coming off that hat trick in Chicago on Sunday, the first teenager in Red Wings history to score three goals in a game since Steve Eiserman and Gordie Howe. What do you make then, Ted, of Raymond's success heading into tonight's game against the Capitals in Washington? I tell you, Mark, I don't know what you think, but I, <laughs> I didn't expect Tim to be mm-hmm. so good so quickly. I'll be honest about that. I mean, I... I thought he was destined to serve some time in Grand Rapids and just get acclimated to the pro game. But then, obviously, opportunities arose. Jacob Verona was injured, and mm-hmm. he's taken advantage of an opportunity playing alongside Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin, and he's ran with it. He's played very well, too, Mark. I mean, he's done way more than I thought he was capable of doing this early on. Uh, he's got Great instincts, heck of a mm-hmm. shot. He's doing everything correctly. And uh, no doubt if there was a Calder Trophy vote <laughs> here two weeks into the season, he would be a runaway winner. We'll get to that in a second, of course. But, Ted, let's hear from Lucas Raymond first. Here he is answering your questions after scoring his first hat trick in Sunday's 6-3 victory in Chicago. Hey, Lucas, just talk about playing with Larks and Bird. It's Obviously, it seems like the chemistry is, I mean, you guys are definitely developing some chemistry here. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, they're, they're two extremely smart and great players, so, so it's really fun playing with them, and it feels like we're we getting to know each other out there and, and is playing with a lot of pace. And, uh, and no, it feels really good, and, and like I said, they're, they're easy to play with, and they, they help me a lot both on the ice and off the ice as well. So, uh, no, it's fun. Hey, Lucas, just something as just the adjustment to the NHL, just something like this weekend, a back to back. I mean, you know, a fairly sneaky long flight from Montreal to Chicago. I mean, how tired were you? And was this something new to you in that respect and all? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's, it's a change playing back to back, different cities, traveling, uh, time zones. But uh, no, I mean, I'm uh, only played six games and. 
and the NHL so playing a lot of adrenaline and and everything's new to me so uh just trying to go out there every night and have fun and help the team win thanks miss lucas thank you so there's lucas raymond talking about those back-to-back games different time zones the adrenaline and yes ted the calder trophy odds as i said earlier so there's 71 rookies on NHL rosters. Raymond is number one with four goals, number one in points with seven. Of course, there's other top candidates. Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegras are off to slow starts. They each have one assist and are minus two. Raymond is plus four. Then there's, say, Jamie Drysdale, another guest on our podcast. He's minus six in six games. Now, there's old rookies like 26-year-old Michael Bunting of the Leafs. He has four points. In six games, Raymond, of course, is just 19 years old. And there are young rookies, just like Raymond. In Florida, there's Anton Lundell. He just turned 20. And he's second in rookie scoring with 20-year-old rookie Marit Sider of the Red Wings, both with five points. And there's also 25-year-old Wings goalie Alex Nadelkovic, who is still eligible for the Calder because he played in only 23 games. So, Ted, with the caveat that it's early and there's six months of hockey before the Wings wrap up the season in New Jersey. On that it's amazing, isn't it? There'll be still six yeah. months more. Six months left. <laughs> what are the odds of Raymond winning the Calder, Ted? Oh, I don't know, Mark. I mean, he seems like he'd be one of, he's going to be one of the finalists as long as he's healthy. And mm-hmm. it looks like he's going to do it. He's, he's not awed by this at all, Mark. I mean, that's another fact that we need to bring out. I mean, the fact that he's played some top-level hockey in Europe, you could tell. I mean, he's not awed by this at all. Mm-hmm. Not odd about playing against people older than he is and in the, in the most elite league in the, elite in the world, but... Now, I expect him to do pretty well here. I think he's going to do a nice – after watching him these first couple of weeks, he's got talent. He has <laughs> talent, and he's he's here to stay. I think he's definitely going to be a piece for this organization going forward. And one last thing on the Calder race. If you look at the last five Calder Trophy winners, four of the five winners led all rookies in scoring. Last year, Kapril Kaprizov of the Wild – had the most points, 51 points, six more than Jason Robertson of the Stars. The year before, Kale McCarr of the Avalanche had 50 points, finishing second, three points behind Quinn Hughes of the Canucks. That was the year of the defenseman. The next three years, forwards led the rookie scoring. Elias Patterson of the Canucks had 66 points, 20 more than Brady Kachuk of the Senators. Matt Barzell of the Islanders. At 85 points, 20 more than Clayton Keller of the Coyotes, and Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs at 69 points, five more than Patrick Laine, then with the Winnipeg Jets. One thing all these players had in common as well, Ted, these rookies, all five of them missed games because of injuries. And we've seen a lot of players take runs at Raymond, who, like you said, has played in professional leagues. He's sort of used right. to playing against men. Uh, there was the Matthew Joseph hit in mid-ice before Joseph ran Dylan Larkin. There was Jack Roslevic, that late hit, and then Larkin and Bertuzzi roughed up Roslevic. And the other night, the game we were at, the Flames game, Matthew Kachuk, he made sure the refs weren't looking. And of course, it was that slash in the neutral zone. So from a physical standpoint, and the wings have pushed back, and we really haven't discussed that either about the all for one, one for all, and right, how they right. get it's off to that topic, fast start. For sure. Raymond goes into the heavy traffic at both ends of the He race. does. Do you think the Wings, though, can sustain this gritty, you're not going to take advantage of our stars attitude and keep other teams honest while Raymond keeps piling up the points and is sent out on the power play? I'll tell you, my friend, he, they, 
I don't, I, not, I don't know whether they can sustain. I think they can. I, mm-hmm. I think they seem to be mentally prepared for it and very willing to do that. But talking about Ray, he does not shy away from that stuff, Mark. I mean, he, mm-hmm. that goal Sunday in Chicago, that was quite telling in my eyes. I mean, he was right in that dirty, gritty area. Nice goal, big goal at the time. And he understands that and wants to he wants to go there. He, mm-hmm. he was talking about that after the game. He wants to go there. And we've seen examples of that the first couple of weeks. So I think that's a big part of his game. And, Mark, if he plays that type of game, he's right. going to score a lot of goals. He's going to score a lot of goals. And he seems very willing and capable of doing it. Okay, time to move on to our interview segment, and our guest today is New York Times bestselling author John Bacon. Joining us now is John Bacon, a former reporter here at the Detroit News from 1995 to 1999, and the author of a new book, Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. John, welcome to the podcast. I I talked to one of the central figures of your book, Scott Scooter McConnell. And for our listeners, he was a fourth line forward who had gone 50 games without a goal. You were the high school coach at Huron Ann Arbor, which went winless in 25 games before you took over. And now in year two of your turnaround, you had a five nothing lead against Dexter in Scott's final game as a senior final minute of the game. And spoiler alert, yes, he scored with three seconds left. But After the game and after the players celebrated his first goal, John, you detailed in the book, you were walking to the parking lot and you said, hey, Scooter, you will never forget this night and neither will I. And he said, coach, I want you to know I'm not crying because I scored. I'm crying because it's over. So, John, looking back 20 years later, why will you never forget that night? Uh, Because some things touch your heart and that thing got Mm -hmm. all the way in there. And when I've told that story uh, in book tour stops and corporate events and so on, I've done some of those things. I've learned to only tell that story sometimes because I get choked up every damn time. So hmm. uh, Scooter and I are still close friends. Uh, but keep in mind, one reason why it mattered to me too is unlike Scooter, I went 86 games in a year uniform <laughs> and never scored a goal. So okay. by proxy, he did the job for me. But I tell you what, no goal I could have scored could have ever made me feel half as good as the one Scooter scored. You know, Scott is now 37 years old. He's a public affairs advisor for cybersecurity and infrastructure at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security in Washington. In fact, he'll be at Wednesday's game between the wings and capitals. He tries to catch the wings when when they're in town. And, you know, John, when I asked him about that goal, he said, and you won't be surprised to hear his reaction, he said, at first he wasn't comfortable with the attention focused on him as opposed to the team. But as time went on, Scott said he saw how excited the team was with every goal post that he hit. He really wanted to score because he didn't want to let the team down. So when you hear that phrase, John, I didn't want to let the team down, is that the point where you think you've done part of your job, creating those like internal expectations? Mark, great read, by the way, and you've clearly read it very carefully and drawn some big lessons and done your homework on top of that. So I appreciate all those things. Uh, John Cooper um, my first year at Huron was 2001. That was his last year at Lansing Catholic Central. Now, of course, John Cooper happened to go on to win now two straight Stanley Cups for the Tampa Bay Lightning, so our career paths seemed to have diverged somewhat. But he, he had a great line on this. He said, mm-hmm. uh, bad teams, nobody leads. 
good teams, coaches lead, coaches great teams, lead. Yeah. everybody leads. And when you see Scooter feeling accountable, not to me and not just for himself, but to the entire team for to score a goal for them, that's how deeply embedded this was with those guys. And that's why that team worked. John, in your author's note, you said in Let Them Lead that one of the keys was helping people of all ages and backgrounds reach their potential. And you listed three key principles for our listeners. One, create high expectations immediately. Two, establish deep mutual trust. And three, then help your people take over. And when I asked Scott about the lessons he learned from you, he mentioned number one right away how you created high expectations from day one. He said you helped show them that through hard work, and demanding more from yourself that you can do more than you originally imagined. But the other thing he mentioned, which wasn't among those three principles, but the theme runs throughout the book, was about how you instill the importance of no matter what you do, do it with integrity. And he said you wanted to win, but you would have zero tolerance for cutting corners or doing anything against the spirit of the rules of the game. Why then, John, is integrity important to you and an important part of leadership? And thanks to you and to, to Scooter for that one, of course. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly, I believe it. Um, my dad is one of these ramrod guys. Um, I would say that the old saw, if you don't stand for something, you don't, you'll fall for anything. So we, did ne we never wanted to be a win-at-all-cost program. Okay. And my line about that is, if you're a win-at-all-cost program and you lose, you have nothing. So all you have are those wins. So we wanted to be a program that even when we lost, we had earned the respect of the opponents. Uh, more importantly, we had our own self-respect at all times. So there were rules that we followed that we knew other teams weren't always following um, about recruiting. Um, if a guy had skipped in the morning, he's not allowed to play that night. That's all there is to it, even though there's no one around to, to be aware of that fact, usually. Mm -hmm. um, so we were good about all those things. And I think the players took more pride in that than I probably even realized at the time. But when you have that going for you, feel a sense of a righteousness, I guess, is probably too strong. But sure, in the locker sure. room, that okay, we're on the side of good. You know, we deserve to win this game. We've done all the things the right way. So let's... Let's get what we deserve, basically. We're not uh, cutting no deals. John, now that the book has been published, and it is the top-selling book in Michigan, by the way, even ahead of Bob Woodward's book on former President Donald Trump, and you're writing a screenplay, what's it been like hearing from your former players? Scott said he read the book right away from cover to cover, reliving his own memories, but what he found interesting, John, were the stories of his teammates. What was important mm. in their lives at the time, their perspectives that he may not have known entirely, and also how their time together shaped their lives and who they are today. So has anything surprised you about the reactions of the former players now 20 years later and since the, the launch of the book? Yes, definitely. Uh, okay. I know these guys quite well at the time. Certainly we still are in touch with all of them. Uh, we've got a barbecue in my backyard every summer, so we're in touch that way. When I travel to D.C., for example, in Scooter's case, I almost always will look them up and they'll come to a book event or whatever. So, And yet, there's still a lot about that experience I didn't know. And I didn't learn it like Scooter until I asked them all, say, look, I need your help again. So this time, please tell me your, your memories, your stories, of course, your insights from your time on the team. And they sent me 150 pages, Mark. Now the book itself only goes 240. So we couldn't use all of it, but we baked a lot of it in. And I, a lot of things like Scooter, a lot of things I just did not know and how, how fresh the memories were in their minds. Uh, some really cool stuff that way. One example, when we're playing Trenton at Trenton, which any 
hockey fan in the state of Michigan knows that is a brutal place to play. They've got 14 state titles. They've got as many runners up. They're the best team in the state. Yeah, yeah. Um, we finally got eye to eye with them after getting our butts kicked 13 to two the first time. That's 13 to two, people, not football. It's hockey. So, uh, regional final, we lose three to two in their place, but it was an even game, back and forth. And their captain, the Trenton captain, pulled my captain, Chris Kunkel, forward toward him in the handshaking line and whispers in his ear. You guys should have won that game. Now, that's class act from a class team, which you expect from Trenton, frankly. Um, but I didn't know about that for 20 years. So that made my day when Chris told me that. And he's a pharmacist now in Maine, and he'll never forget it. So it's striking what they took away. John, thanks again for your time so far. Just a couple of more questions. When it came to rules, you had two rules, work hard and support your teammates. And when I asked Scott about rules, and while you barely mentioned parents interfering with your coaching, he had a couple of points. First, he said, it was clear from the outset, John, that you would be happy to talk to parents about anything except ice time. He said that was off limits, and he was never, it was never going to end well if it went down that road. And second, <laughs> the broader point that Scott made was, because the players bought into what you were doing, some earlier than others, he laughed, and because they saw how much you cared about them and how the systems and processes were already well spelled out he thought those issues didn't come up as often so for all those well-intentioned parents who sometimes cross the line what would you tell them about supporting their children well i gotta tell you that in four years there i only got two nasty emails from parents which is a very low mm -hmm. ratio even then so i was lucky that way and 54 players that's 108 parents i was told the first year to avoid them like the plague, they are the devil. <laughs> so, and so the first year I did, second year I realized this is ridiculous. And we went out for beers after games and this kind of stuff. And uh, the support they gave the team, we could not have done what we did without them. And I would say the majority of those parents are now to this day, still close friends of mine who also come back from the barbecue. And I see them around town or have lunch occasionally and this kind of thing. And I go to their weddings and whatnot. Um, and it feels really good. So no, the, the one rule was, um, playing time was off limits uh, because I said, look, this is a competitive high school hockey team. Trenton does not dress a fourth line. Pioneer will not play its fourth line uh, mm -hmm. in a close game. If you're wearing green, we're going to get you in. Um, I screwed that up once and I didn't do it again. But uh, um, but it's not going to be equal. So if you want to be equal, you got to do the local Little League, and that's fine too. I get that. Um, this is what we're doing here. I would say my advice to parents is to – the degree that you can stay out. Now, sometimes you have to get your nose in when there's abuse, sure. when there are situations that are uh, clearly out of the control of a high school kid and so on, but rarely, I think. Um, the parents, including Scots, the parents who let their children have the experience and talk to me directly. I told the parents, look, I'm not going to be hard to approach. If any player's got a problem, they should come see me first. It'll be private. It'll be confidential. I'll hear them out. And if they can't handle me, they're not going to be able to handle a college professor or a boss down the road sure. and all this other stuff. So they have to learn how to basically suck it up and, and raise, their, raise their voice. And the guys, by and large, did a great job of that. So the ones who let their um, players, their sons, have that experience, like Scott's parents, he walked away with a great experience. And he didn't get everything he wanted. The line on the team was, it's, it's the Rolling Stones. You ain't going to get, you know, you can't always get what you want, but if you try some time, you'll get what you need. So everybody got what they needed, but nobody got everything they wanted, including our star players. 
and uh, let them have the experience. That's my advice. And finally, John, when you hear a player like Scott McConnell, and I don't call him Scooter because he said that was a nickname that they only used, he only wanted to hear it inside the dressing room. John, when you hear a player like Scott McConnell say, aside from his parents, you had more influence on his life than anyone else, how does that make you feel? In the book, you, you mentioned your parents, George and Grace Bacon, driving you to the rinks at five in the morning, replacing the garage door after you and your brother ruined the first one by firing pucks, how they came to almost all the high school games. What did they teach you that you passed on to these high school hockey players and also the love of the game, the love of hockey? The, I'll tell you what, Scott's saying that, and he is Scott McConnell now, not even Scotty. Look, when you're a lawyer at the Department of Homeland Security, <laughs> you earn my respect. <laughs> that ain't Scooter anymore, so fair enough, Scott. Uh, but him saying that, that's the first time I've heard him say that. And uh, if I were not on video right now, I'd probably get reclumped just hearing him say that, because I love Scotty and we're yeah. still in touch, as I said. Um, for my parents, and no doubt, I mean, I gave them a schedule when I started coaching. They were already in their 60s, and I didn't think they'd come to any of these games. They didn't have to. I, I certainly wasn't playing. Sure. Um, and they came to almost every game, home and away. It was incredible. Um, but my dad always told me, when you're on the floor, you can't fall out of bed. And that is the name of the first chapter. Uh, th that came in handy a few times. Like, man, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. And it always did. Uh, my mom, back to your integrity point, Right. Um, always beat into my head and I beat into my player's head so much that Chris Kunkel, his brother, has now made this one of the uh, mantras of his company in Chicago and he didn't play for me. Your character is what you do when you think nobody's watching. And we beat that drum endlessly and I'm sure they can all recite that one to this day. Uh, and they do it. I'm so proud of these guys, not just from what they did in the Heron Hockey Team, of course, what they've done right. since. And the range of professions is all over the place. It's physical therapy. It's eighth grade teacher at Trenton, ironically. It's Scotty McConnell at the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Mike Henry, the old captain, he runs the USA hockey rink uh, that the U.S. team plays out of. Um, the range is incredible, but almost all of them ended up in some form of leadership. And, uh, and they're doing a great job. So how can that not make you happy and proud? John, once again, thanks for making time for us here on the podcast and talking about some of these unexpected lessons in leadership about uh, changing the culture, building trust, and giving control. As you say, it was never about the hockey. All the best, John. Mark, well said. Thank you. Our thanks again to John Bacon for his time. And Ted, the Wings, you're in Washington tonight. The Wings will be back here on Friday against the undefeated Panthers and then four straight road games, four straight home games. You'll be back in Canada on Saturday in Toronto, Tuesday in Montreal, then off to Boston on Thursday and Saturday in Buffalo. First of all, for our listeners, Ted, traveling during this time of COVID, what's it been like crossing the border into Montreal on Saturday and you've got trips in Toronto and Montreal coming up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, uh, we've talked about that, Mark. It's very, what's the word I'm looking for? They keep you busy. You have to do a lot. You have to do the testing. You have to answer a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as impossible as I thought it was. So, I mean, Good. if anybody's got in, if anybody has travel forthcoming or needs to go to Canada, it's, they can, it's doable. But hey, one, before I forget, John Bacon, what a, he is a ta what a talented individual. I have not read the book yet, but I've heard a lot of good things. I don't know about you, Mark, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And yeah, what a great what a great guy. That, that was a great choice to interview. I mean, that is one talented individual. I've read 
many of John's books. And the book he did before on the walking, he took up walking and <laughs> lost. I mean, did you remember that one, Mark? He lost well, a lot of pounds and it was just, it was kind of, it was an inspirational take. It really was. Well, this is his 12th book and you're right. What That's a amazing. brilliant writer. It really is. And said he's writing a screenplay with the uh, screenwriter from the Mighty Ducks number three. This is the number one rated book in Michigan right now, even ahead of Trump's book. I interviewed also uh, one of the players who scored as a senior in the final three seconds. His name is Scott Scooter McConnell. And there's a, there's a story at the end of that, Ted, that you'll love. They're leaving afterwards. And, and here's this senior, a fourth liner, who finally scored the goal. And, and, and John Bacon puts his hand uh, over the shoulders of, of Scott walking out in the parking lot. And, and John says to him, you know, you're, you're, I'll never forget this night, and neither, and neither will you. And, and Scott came back and said, you know, I'm crying, coach. I'm not crying because I scored a goal. First time in 50, 50 games. He goes, I'm crying because it's over. And it's those kind of details that John has in the book. Isn't books, that fantastic? So. That's why we all love sports, a line like that. That 100%. is fantastic. 100%, Ted. Hey, I can't wait wrap... to read the book, my friend. Yeah. I really can't wait to read the book. Uh, yeah, I went and bought it and gave it a read. And, and the interview, uh, of course, will be posted later today. So you'll be able to hear some of the interview as well. And and I, I highly recommend the, uh, the interview, uh, listening to John talk about. Uh, Good job leadership. getting him, Mark. Good job. That, that's a great Thank choice. You. And uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I highly recommend any of John's work. I mean, he's a fantastic writer, great guy. And look, I, I have no doubt that they'll turn that into a movie and it'll be a <laughs> successful movie. I really, it sounds like a great idea for a movie. One final thing then, Ted, about tonight's game, uh, the Anthony Mantha reunion game. He has two goals, two assists, and six games. Here's Red Wings captain Dylan Larkin talking to you about facing his good friend and former teammate tonight. Have you talked to Anthony at all, or is it going to be kind of strange going up against him tomorrow night? Um, yeah, it will be strange. Um, you know, I, I talked to him. He was he was back here in the summer and training here, and um, you know, I, it, it, it will be strange. I, I expect him to be highly motivated, and you know, when we when we've seen that out of him, we know it's a. Uh, uh, he can be a dangerous player, so um, we have to be ready. They're they're playing well right now, and and uh, they can score. So we got to be ready to ready to defend. Did that one kind of like when that happened? Was it like wow, like traded Anthony? I mean, did that one kind of shock you a little bit that day? Or yeah, you know what? Um, I can't think of many trades that that uh, didn't shock me. You know, there, there's there's been a few, but. And big ones like that, yeah, they're, they're shocking to the guys in the room. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, and I'm sure Anthony knows, it, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, going well for many guys last year. And, and uh, you know, so he's excited about his opportunity there. We're excited to have Jacob and, and you know, trades happen. So it was, it was shocking at the moment, but it was – as part of the game. The last one, though. I mean, it just if you got if you kind of become accustomed to it, like to the fact, like yeah, it's a business. I mean, it really is a business in this league and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. You see it, see it all over, see it every day. So um, it is, and you know, you have to deal with it. You have to show up. You have to show up and play. You know. Thanks, John. Yeah.
So, Ted, what do you make of these reunions? On Saturday, Matthew Stafford was mic'd up, and privately he told his former teammates he was rooting for them and that they played extremely well. Jeff Blaschel downplayed the significance when you guys were talking to him about tonight's Mantha game. How do you think the day will play out with Mantha? And the other story, of course, Ronick. Ronick and Mantha are two of the storylines tonight. I'm looking for I, I'd be, I'm going to be curious to see how Mantha – response i mean in these type of situations i can see a he does tend to rise to, I remember he, when he was in detroit in these types of well he's never been traded before but like in pressure situations or just situations where he's been called out or whatnot he was always he always rose to the occasion so this is completely different but playing against his former coach former teammates i wouldn't be surprised if we see mantha get on the score sheet and have a good game that's just I don't know, just a gut feeling, mm-hmm. but that's, that's got to be special. It's got to be I mean, here. I mean, he, sure. was here for, he was with the Wings a long time. Guys like Lark and Bertuzzi, they developed good friendships with them. It's got to be a little, it has to mean a little bit more than the typical regular season game. I would think so. Uh, I would expect a pretty entertaining game tonight. And how about Ronick coming back after sitting out the last two, Ted? What do you make of that? He was... Um... Probably by his own. You know what, Mark? He wasn't playing great hockey. I was still surprised by it, for sure. Right. Uh, So, yeah, again, again, it'll be very interesting to see how he responds. I mean, it's never happened to him before at this level. So, let's see how he responds to it. He didn't have the start that he probably wanted to this season. So, let's watch and see if he can turn it around a little bit. Ted, thanks again for your time, and that'll do it for today's podcast, episode 61. For more Red Wings coverage, of course, you can always find Ted's stories and earlier podcasts on our website at DetroitNews.com, also on our Octopulse Facebook page, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Stories, and Snapchat. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and if you get a chance, please take a second or two to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll talk to you soon. (music) 